Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a tabletop role-playing game podcast. We take random prompts and turn them into one-shot adventure. I'm your forever game master, Daniel Locke, and today we're continuing our crossover episode with Crash Course DM's very own DM. Hey everybody, it's Josh here, your resident dungeon newbie at Crash Course DM, and today the crasher on One Shot at a Time. Yes, it's great having you. Just to let you all know at home, Daniel Lee is out sick today. He has a little strep throat and is also in Florida. So those are two things. And we're recording at a new location. We're at uh, Josh's wonderful studio that he's welcomed us into. So the audio will sound much more crisp. Yeah, best laid plans and all that. So yeah, today, as usual, we take a random prompt and turn to one-shot adventures. And Josh today, as a new dungeon newbie, has something for me today. So we'll build a one-shot out together. Yeah, uh, I've talked to you a little bit about this one before, but I wanted to bring to the table my sort of Wild West-inspired one-shot adventure that's also loosely based off of the <laughs> card game Bang. So uh, to let the audience know a little bit about what this inspiration comes from, can you explain Bang, the card game, to everybody? Absolutely. So Bang is a card game. Boom. Done. <laughs> no, uh, We're all set. Good to go. Google so the rest, people. Bang is a card game where everybody is assigned a personality at the start, and you can be uh, an outlaw or you can be a sheriff's deputy type person, someone on the law's side, and you are, depending on your role, trying to kill or save everybody else around you. Okay. And you're given different personalities, and there's a lot of opportunity for role-playing in the game. Maybe not quite as much as Dungeons & Dragons, though. Oh, I mean, when we played the game, we had a lot of role-playing going on. So, <laughs> just a full disclosure, we were hanging out at the Silver Key Lounge, which we recorded once with the Crash Course DM group. Check out that episode down below. I believe it's episode three. Yes, sir. Okay, please check it out. And during that time, we spent so long at the location playing that game that they actually kicked us out at the end. <laughs> we didn't even get to finish. They did let us stay a little bit after hours, but yeah, yeah, we did. It, it is a, a fun version of Monopoly if you like long games. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when you have like this dead eye, three, three, one person from each team trying to kill each other. It's a wild time, but it's a quick game to pick up. So, highly recommend you guys checking out Bang, the card game, PvP. Murder your friends. There's probably some more definitions. Extravaganza. There you go, yeah. So the overall end goal of the game is that one person, whether they're the outlaw, the sheriff, or the renegade. There's a renegade, yeah, who yeah. wants to kill everybody else. Yeah. Uh, depending on who survives and kills everyone, uh, they win the game. So turning that into a D&D one-shot adventure, overall it already sounds like a cool prompt to start with. What aspects of it inspire you, and are you looking to make it a PvP one-shot? Oh, fun questions. Okay, so the aspects that inspire me are definitely the the idea of almost total annihilation. Mm. But I, instead of PvP, I think it's player versus DM in a, like, there are there will be no prisoners okay, type okay. of a situation. So there's there's that, and I love the uh, the idea of, on one hand, someone is secretly like the renegade character, uh -huh. like they're going to double cross at some point. Mm. Uh, so I love that. I love the, just the idea of like good versus bad. And okay. I think there's a cool maybe thing where you could like let players decide or roll for alignment of like which side they end up on for the one shot. Too. Yeah. I love how this starts off because from what you're telling me that you're interested in, this gives the option to like have pre-made characters for people if they want that, or at the very least assign roles. So if they want to be good people, they could be sheriffs or maybe if they want to be good people, they could be outlaws because you know, <laughs> modern time issues. Uh, but 
Yeah, so they have these opportunities to play both sides. The end goal is that they're just trying to kill the DM, it sounds like. And yeah, essentially. Impossible. So it's, yeah. A big, it's a big battle royale in a weird way, but in an old Western type of field. Did you want to stay in the old Western setting? Oh, it's funny you mentioned setting. Okay. So there's a place you may have heard of called the Collide, and oh, I yeah. thought it might be a fun setting for this, particularly the southeastern corner, which is a desert where magic doesn't work for the most part. Mm, okay, okay. So for those who haven't heard Crash Course DM, we're hard plugging that it's, other podcast. In it's not episode. intentional. We also <laughs> can like not use that. No, no, I like it. For those who don't know, we have this new world that Josh has built called The Collide, which our group is currently adventuring through and having wonderful adventures in the Brunch Force One mobile, which has just been destroyed. Spoilers for later. <laughs> You're going so into the story. I don't know why. I just really like I really like all that's happened, and I want you all to engage in it. But sadly, we haven't actually explored this desert area at, at all, which is going to be whole new, whole new to me. So now I'm learning that it has no magic, number one, uh-huh. and it's a desert landscape. So it's already giving me, like, weirdly, like, Arabian night vibes, but also, like, old mm. Western shooters as well that we might be able to play into. So going off that, we have kind of, like, a setting we're placing them in. So we already understand there's no magic. So that's probably a clear point you want to convey to your players going into it. Yeah, well, let me and let me asterisk that. Uh, I think there's some ways you can still let them have magic, like magic items mm-hmm. or things that would really fit that aesthetic, like necromancy. Okay. Right? And then, like, it would be funny if they could do transmutation, but, like, at disadvantage, like, gold panhandlers are trying to... Ooh, so, like, maybe, like, the magic itself is just warped. Like, the yeah. magic within the world that maybe uses, like, manas and spellcasting, like, verbal components, doesn't work here. Here, it's, like... Oh, there you go. Almost, like, a scientific rune-based magic. Like, everything's mm-hmm, carved mm-hmm. in. I love that. And that kind of adds to the setting where it's just like, this is a wild area. And maybe if they did try to use normal magic, it, the wild magic kicks in and maybe causes things to go awire, as they Ooh, say. Ooh, that's so cool, too. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, totally. Yeah, so like, that, that's the vibe I was thinking initially. Yeah, it could definitely even add to characters who want to make magic classes on like reskinning or reflavoring how they're coming in with the classes or maybe adding detriments or wild effects like a d20 table when they're like maybe casting like light or your classic like firebolts now this spell has been warped slightly because of uh, because of the area's effect on them and this is like all heavily branded dear listener (laughs) so obviously you can take it into your own like desert type setting or anywhere i just love the the wild west deserty vibe for sure for sure okay so we have the setting set up and a little backstory on maybe why the magic doesn't work the way that it should again if you were pitching this to a group of players you would probably let them know beforehand if they were building their own characters just as common courtesy for building one shots and recommending games that this is going to be a place where magic doesn't work the way you think it does Uh, most likely you might want to make a character that doesn't use magic if they're looking for combat and dual actions such as like fighters and thieves but let's get the hook into the adventure so yeah in bang you just try to kill each other but uh in your adventure like did you have a beginning start that you wanted the adventures to go on is there a quest that they have well i guess it kind of depends on i think it would be kind of cool to let them decide obviously what side they're on and then the rest of this can evolve based on their perspective but you could give them a a beginning that is 
what I thought would be funny is there's like maybe a card game with some like uh, deputies undercover or something, and everything just playing bank. Is like a, all just playing bank. No, right like poker, <laughs> but like it, it is like immediate. It's like on the verge of turning into like the first shootout, okay. and so. Uh, you can figure out, like, at the end of that, maybe how many uh, NPCs are left on your side, quote-unquote, like whoever managed to survive the initial. I just thought it would be fun to start with maybe a failed deception check into a gunfight of some kind, like in a saloon. Okay. That becomes the reason that there's this, for some reason, we have to, like, have a, a final confrontation between the good and the bad and the okay. ugly. So I think in this point, like both the good characters and the bad characters could have the same goals, right? Like the sheriff and the outlaws could have the same reason. Maybe they're out to control the town. That's their goal. They're they're oh yeah, there you go. Their aim is just to like knock out the other forces because we want to make maintain the main aspect of Bang, which is kill the other team. <laughs> okay, so it's a battle for control of this town. Did you have a town by chance in? This area. Oh, that's a good question. Let's pull up the map and see if we can pick a town to place this in. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. Wow. Whoever organized the Discord server for this <laughs> did a great job. Oh, man. He's just an asshole. <laughs> Off, always offering pizza and like making sure we're on track, scheduling it, Zoom calls. Man, he sounds like such a project man. He uses straw poles. Yeah, he sounds like a project man. Uh, there are two towns in that desert right now, or we could just build another one that's not on the map right now. No, uh, let's just use one. So there's, there's one that's actually very resource heavy called De La Ye, which is next to two lakes, or there is uh, the, the small, small city of Reproach, which is in the desert, but on a very barren coast by the ocean. Oh, okay. I like reproach a lot better. I like the idea yeah, of it being like a barren on a coast because it's like very cut off from the rest of the world, which could lead to like this weird power struggle between these two groups, which is like the sheriff and the outlaws. Yeah, I'm with that so much. Yep. Okay. So. And you can even spin it like if the characters wanted to play outlaws, you can spin the sheriffs to be like dirty cops in like a very easy way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like they're just abusing their powers. But in the same way, you could also like they want to play the sheriffs. They could be like, oh, there's outlaws here to like take over the town and like steal all the money and treat people poorly. So you have a very clear goal that both sides can play while you're building out the storyline. And you can even do, like, uh, you know, depending on your players and, and, like, how they want to play, there's also opportunity to throw them curveballs, too. If they're the lawmen, like, what if the bad guys do have a good reason at the end? Like, that could be, you just have some opportunity on the type of story you want to tell. Also, because this is the world of weird magic, there could be, like, weird demons or devils or mm. old spirits that roam the world that have possessed them. There's, like, a lot of ways you can drive into it. We'll see which one we take as we go on with the story. But we're starting off with a gunfight. So it's a failed deception check for some reason. The players are here playing a game. Someone accuses someone of cheating no matter what, and then everyone starts killing each other, okay? We're going to probably populate this area. Uh, did you have a specific level you wanted the players at? Probably like three to five, you know? Five is on the outside, like maybe three. Yeah, three Let's to say five. some threebies. Yeah, three is pretty good. It gives people like a little bit of extra movement or actions that they need to, and it's not as lethal when everyone takes one bullet. <laughs> Although that would probably be pretty realistic, to be fair. Oh, man. Is it one-shots in the one-shot? Are uh, we going to real bullet damage? No. Oh, my God. Just like, oh, yeah, you die. You're just dead. Okay, cool. No, everyone has to Everybody dies in the first shootout. Yes, that would be wild. No, I think a good way to start them, if you want to empower them, is level three to five. Of course, if you want to go hyper-lethal and that's the game you want to play, take them to level one and everything is lethal. One arrow from a goblin will, show, will drop <laughs> you. So that's a possibility. Okay. 
and it's a Western, so you want guns in this world, right? Yeah, I'm think. Yeah, absolutely. Have like that's looked, that's going to be the main replacement for for spells. Okay. Um. Are, so, are you looking to replace the spells, or did you actually want to use like firearm rules? Because that's like this is something we don't often dive into on this podcast, but ruling wise, there are aspects in D and D five e that's been written for firearms with reloads and whatnot. Oh yeah, totally. Like I'm thinking pepper box is going to be everybody's like everyday carry. Ah, yes, uh, yes. You know, like very. Everybody has a pepper box. <laughs> just a box of pepper that they just like crack open on people's faces and just like exactly. tell me where yep. the guys hide. You obviously understand where I'm coming from, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, yeah, so they're all carrying like nine irons and whatnot. Yeah, is it six irons. How many irons are there? Or is, that, is that golf? Hold on, it's a six shooter. It's is what you're shooter. thinking of? Yeah, <laughs> nine iron is. I'm pretty sure that's golf. That's golf. Okay, whatever. I clearly don't understand guns. This is not my specialty. I'll ask Richard for that later. But um, yeah, so no, there is a nine iron gun actually. Really? Wow, okay. interesting. Yeah, it's a slang term. Okay, so there's a secret weapon in this world now called the nine iron. Yep, it's a for sure club. there is. <laughs> we'll see what we do with that. But um, everyone's carrying guns. The game starts out with a shootout. The enemies are probably really low health. If you want to track it as a DM, you can. But I would say just treat them as minions in games where they only have yeah. like one shot and they actually do die from one shot. But the players have a bigger health pool. Give yeah, I think that. you're totally right. It gives them a sense of like power in the area. And now after they've killed off like a random amount of dudes, someone probably surrenders. Probably the barkeeper, I feel like. It's just like, what are you doing in my tavern? Yeah. Why are you shooting everybody? So, uh, yeah. So they killed a bunch of people in town. And there's a barkeeper there. Oh, what is it? Okay, so what is? where is he taking these people? Like, what is the goal? Oh. How do they gain control of the town? Oh, man. Okay, so I just had a thought about that. Mm -hmm. The players are in a posse that is... For some reason, they've broken out into a, 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 a fight mm -hmm. over a game of poker with the, quote, other side, right? Yes. Maybe it's lawmen. Maybe it's an opposing gang. Uh, and it just happens to be factions that are, like, ill at ease in this place. And uh, the idea is that the party kills everybody or if somebody gets away, maybe that's what kicks off the conflict. Or the barkeep is always on the other side, and he's a oh. snitch. I like that. Okay, I like the idea of a barkeep and then someone getting away because I like someone escaping and like tipping off the other side. It's like, oh man, they're gonna come back at noon with real firepower. <laughs> yeah, with the devil's breath. Have you seen that movie, the Seven Samurai remake? But it's like a western shooter with Chris Pratt in it. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember the name. This sounds weirdly familiar. Yeah, the Magnificent Seven. Yes, that. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. That one has a pretty sick, like, final shootout where, like, someone brings out, like, a machine gun and they yeah. call it the devil's breath and everyone just gets mowed down. And then somehow Chris Pratt makes it to them with, like, nine bullets in his body and then throws dynamite at them. It's a wild scene. That's a big spoiler. I apologize. Hey, you know what? Come at Daniel in the comments for that. I, yeah. I, I, I take umbrage. <laughs> yes, please come at Daniel and just blame him. But don't specify which Daniel because we don't know. <laughs> All right. We have a start here. Now they're meeting the barkeep one, so they have someone they talk to. Yeah. And they know that there is a coming battle coming, okay? So because combat tends to take a while in D&D, &D, um, we roughly estimate that if they're a party of four players, it should be about 45 minutes, depending on how many enemies are in there. And if it's a big boss encounter, it might even take an hour and a half, okay? The more players you have, the longer usually combat takes. But these are minions, so it might shrink it down just a tad. Going into this, they run into a barkeep, and he tips them off that the opposing side, cops, robbers, whatever, is planning to rout their faction and get them out of town. Exactly. So now they have to figure out a way to deal with them, because it's all going to come back to one final battle. That's probably the last encounter in this scenario. 
and probably the resolution, which is they win the town or they die fighting for the town. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And the town probably holds significance for if they're a sheriff's side, they just want to protect the people. If they're outlaws, maybe some kind of resource. Resource, or maybe the sheriffs are just dirty, so also protecting the people. True, Robin uh, Hood situation. Yeah. Or, you know, there's a demon under here, and there's actually a cult trying to resurrect a dead god, and now they've discovered that this is what is being done in this town, and it starts a whole nother adventure, continuing on this Big Bang plot. It's a bang. It's a Big Bang. I don't know. There's a Big Bang underneath. Oh, my God. I don't know where I'm going with this. A series uh, of bangs. A series of bangs. But they have to prepare themselves for this final encounter. So this is probably the next encounter or puzzle for the players, which is getting the town ready, one, or looking for a weapon of mass destruction. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Or sabotaging the enemy, I guess. Yeah, like maybe that. finding some way to, if you're on the, the, the bad guy's side or the people who are outside of town, then maybe trying to infiltrate or get info in some way. Yeah, and I guess like we should give this barkeeper a name because he's going to be a pretty prominent NPC. And even if he dies, oh, yeah, you're right. you could probably move this NPC to anybody else who's not been shot or is about to get shot. Um, let's see, what's a, what's a very Western name? Like Neil, maybe? Neil? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think. Neil Diamond, maybe? Uh, let, 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 oh man, uh, Neil Zirconia, is that what? Neil Zirconia, oh yeah, I like that, yeah, yeah, there you go. Neil Zirconium, okay, is his name. Uh, he's the barkeep and also, like, local bard slash, like, singer in the area. That's what he does in his free time, okay? He's a bard keep. He's a bard keep, exactly, there you go, we got this. Okay, it's all in the bag, it's coming together. So we got a bard keep here, and he's here to convey information to players about the opposing side that's coming after them. Uh, he will also share possibly a couple quest lines or directions for the one shot. They can either, assuming they're going to save the town, which, I mean, that's what they're coming in for. That's probably part of the pitch when you bring it to them. Uh, you have to present to them maybe a sabotage plot for the enemy. Uh, maybe they know that they have mm-hmm. the special big machine gun, and if they can disable it, it'll make the fight easier. Maybe they can ambush some of the enemies before they get here. Maybe there's a big weapon below. Um, that's like hidden away that maybe this might be problematic, but like an ancient Indian burial ground with <laughs> some powerful six shooter or bow that exists. I don't know, some or like a hatchet. And I'm trying to think of what other things could happen. Or they could just rally the, the townsfolk and convince them to do things. Though that one seems more role play heavy. So which one speaks to you that you would want to work on? You said something about uh like as far so for the for the bad people's like objective or timeline, I I like the idea of pulling it more into the like high fantasy direction of some kind of like maybe it's a dead god that's like if necromancy is the only magic that works there, then maybe he's like raising fucking zombies or something, and uh, like that's I don't mm, no that's uh, maybe the many. it could be like the outlaw or the 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 opposing force the antagonist in the story. Um, is a necromancer, uh, a necromancer gunslinger, and he brings back the dead that he kills with his dark bullets or his, his undead bullets. I guess if your players align with the bad side, though, then they have to steer into the bad there. And then they have undead bullets, so they're yeah. trying to raise a dead army of talent. That would folk. be sick, actually. <laughs> yeah, and underneath <laughs> is the thing that they're searching for is 
a relic of their undead god, which I don't know in your role what they are, but in the Forgotten Realms, it's probably like Merkel or Vecna or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, there's a loose pantheon of me trying to find what works <laughs> for the situation. It's very <laughs> loose. We don't know, and we're just kind of streamlining along. You know, randomly you find like gods from like Chinese culture, Buddhas in there somewhere just hanging out. Yeah, It's so convenient how it's the collide and stuff got smashed together. Weird. You yeah. just run into everything here. Such great AI writing right there. <laughs> okay. I, I think we both like the idea that the, the antagonist side is some so related to undead magic in the area. Yeah. And their goal is that they're probably digging up some ancient relic here on the coastal city to create an undead army that they're going to use to con conquer the rest of this desert plain. Like, that's their goal. They're just evil bad guys, and they're mean, okay? That, you don't it. really need any more reasons for that. And if you're the bad guys, then you're trying to stop the good guys from stopping the things that the players can encounter, though. We need to figure out, like, if they know that there's undead people coming at them, how are they going to stop them, and what are we going to let the players do? Because we want to give them options, right? Totally. But we don't want them to do everything. So I think the barkeeper can be like, they're going to be here by sundown, you know, classic a spaghetti western kind of thing. Yeah. So you only have time to do a couple couple objectives before they get here. Let's start with the ancient relic kind of delving into what the evil necromancer army is looking for cuz I think that's pretty interesting for me. Yeah. Like so maybe so what the barkeep will let you know is like the townsfolks here have been captured and forced to dig in the mines uh up north. Um and if you can looking for some ancient powerful entity and if your players can get to it first they can either use it as a bargaining chip maybe to force the necromancer away the other option is they could use it themselves to help them fight maybe they find the local graveyard and raise a bunch of dead to counteract the necromancer's forces <laughs> it could yeah, be yeah, a yeah. Wild <laughs> that would be funny because yeah. Um, and then if they fail maybe they take a lot one they burn a lot of resources trying to get into it mm -hmm. um and this, and usually in these cases, because they're one-shot adventures, they won't have time for a long rest. So whatever damage they accrue will be pretty long-lasting, not counting the two short rests available to them. True. Which true. will allow them to use hit dice. So if they're diving into this mine, what are some things when you're going spelunking that people encounter that could be problematic for you? Okay, so uh, some of the stuff that comes to m to mind uh, in the mine is uh, <laughs> so mind uh, like. No oxygen or like poisonous air, Ooh, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, An area in the mines. Yep. Uh, also, I mean, Duergar or some kind of like dark dwarves. Yeah, yeah. Or or some kind of baddies that are maybe just like hanging out in the dark, like they're the the general resident and not the baddies that are, mm -hmm. you're normally fighting. Do you want to do Duergards? Because there's a lot of underdark creatures that could exist. Oh no, that was just the literal first thing that came to mind. Okay. So like there could I'm down for anything else. Yeah. yeah. So there's two options here. We could, like well, there's a lot of options here, and I'm, I, I tend to give you a lot of options when I'm building stuff, just because I know this is going to be your one shot. But if you want me to just drive some stuff in, just be like ironed in. This is what it is. We'll go with that too. But um, in the mines, I think a fun creature that players could encounter because this is a weird like space where things could be hiding are these uh, creatures that hide along the walls called ropers. Um, I believe that's what they're called in D and D. And they have these tentacles that grab people and pull them in, and then they try to bite them. I believe they're called ropers. Let me pull this up. Oh, yeah. Sold. This is great. Uh, looking this up, I love it. Little ambush guys? Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, meant to be ambushed. They're, like, maybe not meant to be the strongest thing on Earth, but, um, and I don't remember the exact uh, CR for them, but they're essentially annoying enough that they're like, oh, hey, 
we're grabbing your players and distracting you for doing stuff. If you're looking for more common encounters, uh, you probably would have to shrink them down a little bit and lower their AC because looking at it, they're a little bit high on that aspect. I think they're 20. Yeah. But um, besides cutting that down, you can have those sprinkled throughout as just like ambush targets, maybe as one of the things that they have to deal with. You can have Duraguards spot in. You can even have zombies because this is going to be an undead related relic. It could just summon undead miners that you oh, can yeah. deal with too, which could be really fun to, to kind of sprinkle in as well. Um, which may add like a more clerical aspect to this. I don't know how you feel about having like radiant magic in the area. Uh, apolo could... Apologies really quickly. We are recording in Josh's place and his dog is ha saying hi and wants to join us. Do not worry though. He is a very nice dog, I think. I don't know. I've never met him. The cat is really chill. Oh, it disappeared. And while you're in the mine, you have a dog that screams at you <laughs> when the gas appears, okay? So if you hear the dog, everyone has to make a con save or choose to hold their breath, and they lose an action. And that's an environmental effect that you can add in. <laughs> there <Ooh>. you go. <laughs> okay? The dog is there to help you. Yeah. It's like a will-o'-the-wisp type thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A spirit I'm dog. Okay. Just some ideas here. How do you like the direction with like a combat encounter, or did you want to do maybe a more puzzle aspect? I, I, I think that this is definitely going to be like a, a gratifying by combat type of, of one shot for sure. So, okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. I mean, it's bullets, so bullets are flying. This is bang. Mm -hmm. um, while we're on that topic, what are some cards that you remember vividly as very interesting cards from the game that we maybe could incorporate? Just off the top of my head, I I think of the cars, the cards that get you away from things and give you advantage, like distance, like the horses. Okay, yeah, yeah. And how that was super annoying. You literally <laughs> couldn't shoot at somebody on a horse if you were four people away with a rifle because it didn't have the number of pluses. I love that. So I think a way we can incorporate that into this one-shot adventure is that you could secure yourself as like a side objective some horses. The horses can, one, as a boost, give you more movement, but also extend your range of your attacks, which is actually pretty busted if everyone's using guns at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the horses in uh, Bang, their ability is they give you range, essentially. But in D&D, &D, because it's a battle map, especially when you're set up, or Theater of Mind, this is something you can add in as an ability. It just boosts their movement, or it just gives them more range for their shots, whichever you like. I think more movement is more than enough, but mm -hmm. range is always nice. So that could be an aspect. It could be a side quest where they have to buy themselves horses. Maybe they don't have enough income to buy multiple horses, or maybe they have to convince the town folks to help them instead of running away. Oh, yeah, like that's definitely... Yeah, I think that's a good thing to include. They run into the general store manager um, of Kroger. I don't know. I don't know. What, what's a general store name or general store owner's name? I mean, in, in this universe, there's definitely not one I've thought of on that coast. What's a good general store name? What's like a what would be the D and D equivalent of like Smiths or Albertsons? I think we could just go with Smiths. Albert Smiths. <laughs> Albert Smiths. Albert yes. Smiths is it? Okay. So the so the general store owner is Albert Smiths. It's the Smith store, <laughs> and his family is packing up to leave the town because they know this horrible battle is going to happen at sundown. Um, and you have the opportunity to role play with this family and convince them. So let's give them some objectives and like maybe a little bit of personal goals for Albert Smith and his family. And you might not even have to talk to Albert Smith specifically because mm -hmm. it could be like the family that convinced him. Maybe he has like two young daughters or sons who are itching, itching to fight and save the world or itching to be evil and join the cults of the damned. Yep, yep, I love that. Uh, so there's there's obviously uh, Candace is one of the daughters, and his son's name is Sonny. <laughs> okay, uh, cool. Sonny D. Sonny <laughs> Smith. Mm -hmm. um, did he have three children or two? 
I think he has two, I think he has two children okay. just to make our lives easier. Yeah, that's fair. And then his wife's name is obviously um, Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lorraine's a peach. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a wonderful lady. Mm-hmm. She's she's great. Okay, so yeah, he's got a family that you can interact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can say that maybe Sonny has like a darker disposition mm-hmm. um, and might be more appealing to the darker characters if they have an interaction to like, <laughs> I evil like how players. Sonny you know? D is the one who's <laughs> very dark. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And okay. then Candace can be like more on the light side of stuff. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, we got to do good and help the people around. We can't just leave, we got to do our best. So. Uh, maybe you can talk to the children to get some ideas of what the father would be doing if he was to be convinced to stay or help one side or the other. I think Sonny may know that the father is very in love with his uh, long-lost pet hamster. And if you can resurrect that hamster for him, um, he will aid your dark dark journey. And you can resurrect it through necromancy, possibly from an (laughs) item you find within the mines. As far as Candace goes, uh, you maybe have to work off his greed. Maybe Candace is like, well, Dad obviously wants our safety, but if he can make a big dime out of it and can convince that you'll win, you know, that's how you're going to have to sell it on him. So maybe if you can show off that the rest of the town is joining in or convince the rest of the town, that maybe is one objective. The other objective is maybe you can provide just a large sum of money if for some reason your players have a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be kind of tough to come by in a one shot. But if it's like slotted into a long campaign, who knows? True. And then I think other ways that this could work, talking to these family members, the Smiths family, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think not only can they give you some insight on the father, which we've given you some examples here already, they can also give you maybe like, they maybe they've been around town a long time so they know that the mine is dangerous. So if you talk to them before you go to the mines, they can tip you off that a lot of miners disappear or attacked by these tendril creatures. That way that the players might be a little bit more prepared. Yep, that can definitely be something that Lorraine would be a good, like maybe give her a, a, a thing to have to talk about or share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if Lorraine was just like this weird gypsy woman? I don't know why I'm just thinking of like this, like that stereotypical, like, oh, give me a quarter and I'll predict your future kind of thing. <laughs> I forgot what those things are called, like the great Zadar or something. Oh, my God. The I know what you mean, the little tarot lady machine. Exactly. Like, like in Futurama or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So like she could either if you pay her a little bit and she reads your future, she can give you some guidance on where to go or you she could just give you a flat boon if you're willing to play the risk of this possible charlatan that actually has true usable magic within the area yeah this could just be like a simple blessing to the characters they get a 1d4 it's a simple buff that's easy to go and it ends at long rest which would make sense because if they long rest town blows up yep love that just writing some notes yeah no worries josh is just so you know josh is actually taking notes to use this one shot in the future so we'll (laughs) see how that goes um you might hear it on crash course dm coming soon yeah Okay, so we got a few options for what the players can be dealing with. Yep. Um, just like as some quick throwaways, um, are there other things that like you would want the players as like just side options that they might be able to play with? So one thing I'll say is uh, I think so. We said going to the mine for the relic that was like something for the bad characters to do, or also the good characters to like. I think both save. can. Do okay, it, yeah. that, that makes sense because the good characters might go to like lower the amount of like. Uh, yeah baddies at the end or something so i think one way is like they can go into the mines they'll fight possibly a roper ambush and then they'll mm-hmm. po- possibly fight some undead miners inside and then what they discover is this ancient ziggurat uh below uh this city's 
below this small town, and inside of it rests the scythe of Merkel or whatever undead god you have. Yeah. And that scythe allows them to raise the dead. Like the ability the scythe gives is animate dead. Love it. Yep. Okay. It's just a straight spell. Um, it's probably decently powerful. It has like a plus one enchantment on it, and anyone can use it. Like it just to make this fit more reasonable yeah. for human beings, so they don't have to go through the headache. Anyone can use it. They don't have to wait for attunement. They can just use it, and it allows them to animate dead, which essentially gives them one extra party member to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they can animate a couple of deads, depending on how the spell reads. I forget exactly how it works, but you can give it one charge, two charge, whatever is your fancy as the DM. Okay? And that's Ooh. the equipment that they get out of it, which is a pretty powerful magical item. Um, and you can also say that it trims down maybe a couple of the bad guys on the opposing side that you run into. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. Uh, do a lot with the like mob mechanics of this so they can feel like they're kind of working through enemies and also have the, uh, the opportunity to fight. Yeah, you would probably be keeping count on the side on like how many enemies that the players would normally have to deal with and how many would be trimmed down if you wanted that crunching mechanic. Or you could just pre-plan it beforehand that they're running to like at least like eight enemies with like a big machine gun thing. Yeah. And so depending on what the party does, maybe for our like the third chapter of the showdown can either be like in the town if they decide to trap it up or whatever and just have the bandits come in. Or, like, they could decide to go try to break in to or ambush them at their hideout. And yes. so have this, if they can find it, mm-hmm. maybe part of the, the chapter two is, like, there's an opportunity to find the bandit hideout. And then uh, they, like, that sets up, and then that sets up the third chapter. Oh, for, I like that. For where it's going to be. For sure, for sure. I'll let you get that. Hey, yo. It's, it's the other half of the eels. We got Kyle and Shay joining us for the One Shot at a Time podcast. Welcome. Uh, yes, there is. I'm just going to go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've been joined by the wonderful Eels members. They're coming in for the recording for Crash Course DM. It's been a great, wonderful time. Josh is probably frantically moving around because he's like, oh, no, I have a podcast I'm supposed to be part of. But I'm also, like, a host, a bunch of people showing up. It's a wild time. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing well, my friend. Yeah. I'm well. Yeah, I'm joined today by the legendary Kyle Kane, Arizona actor, a part of the uh, Amazing Spider-Man series as the Shocker. Or the mopper. No, the shocker. The shocker, yes. That's a different universe. <laughs> different universe. Okay. So. Alrighty. So, uh, we were saying about setting up the third chapter and ending the second one. Yep, exactly. So, you talked about a few good ideas, which is, one, finding what information about an ambush, which, again, we're probably going to give the players two objectives that they can deal with during the second act, okay, if we're going to break this up. And... the just for time reasons, because they'll probably have like four hours to go through everything. Of course, if you wanted to extend it, you can, but we gave you like a mine ext- uh, exploration spelunking dive where you get a scythe that can animate dead. You also have the option to speak with uh, Albert Smith and his general store team to gather horses for your adventure, which will give you ex- extra range and movement during your final encounter. Um, on top of that, you can also just speak with the town folks to investigate where the hideout is for the bandit or opposing side. And also, if you can find that hideout, maybe you can sabotage one of their big weapons. Maybe they have, like, a big Gundam mobile suit thing or instead of just, like, a machine gun, which seems pretty stereotypical, but, mm-hmm. yeah. And then other things, you can just get the convince the town to join you. Maybe you have a lot of role-play moments. Maybe you have players that really like doing voices and meeting new people, and during that time, they just want to want to talk to everyone for some reason yeah. and convince them to stay and fight for the good fight. Mm-hmm. Just have a lot of like canned dialogue ready yep. to go. Just yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. How does that feel going into Act Three? 
Feels great. Okay. I think we're we're in a good place. Yep. Okay. Jumping into Act Three, then. Um, this is gonna be the big final showdown. There's not gonna be too much that you really have to do other than just kind of figuring out maybe who the big bad is. You know, it mm-hmm. could be just a cultist, a necromancer of some sort that has some animate dead. There could be undead armies if you want to add them in. If possible, you could have a cleric on the opposing side to balance it out. If they're supposed to be the un- if your players are the undead army and they want to fight a bunch of holy men instead. Oh, that's true. Except the cleric wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> It'd be really awkward because the cleric couldn't do anything, but instead they have holy water bombs. Oh, there you go. I love it. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the way they f- they get cleric through it. with holy water bombs. Yeah. That's so dope. Yeah, it just does like 3d6, AoE effect, 15-foot radius, something like that. Simple, quick, easy. Um, yeah, it's a big showdown. It's just a shootout. It's a big battle. This is probably like, for those who's played Baldur's Gate 3, this feels like the end of Act 1, honestly. Um, for those who haven't, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's none of your business. It's none of your business. Play it and find out. Yeah. But yeah, it's a big battle. The players win or lose. So if they mm-hmm. lose, they lose, right? The town gets taken over. Yep. You let them know, but maybe another group of heroes ventures along the way, and that's something later. If they win, uh, what do you th- what do you want to happen to them? Do like what do you feel? What what feels appropriate for the good side and the bad side? Ooh, that's a good question. I think for the bad side. If if the bad side wins, uh, on on one hand they just get to find out little fun terrible stories or about like how all the townspeople were subjugated or killed and then they took over the world and like maybe they all get positions of power in this new like uh, force of evil that's Love taking it. over the world and then the good people uh, for some reason I just want to nerf the good side so okay. they don't even get but I'm not really gonna do that but uh, maybe they get like I guess a similar good sided thing like they get some kind of like they're the mayor of the town. <laughs> they become the uh, the local political authority. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> then they become the villain. They live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, yeah they uh, they die in a shootout ten years later. No, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> um, man, I don't I don't know what what do you think the good people should get? The good side? Um, I think yeah, they get like a wel- a nice warm welcome. Maybe they get like the hero the folk heroes where, like, everyone in the town knows their name. They have a festival thrown oh, for them. Oh, there you go, yeah. Like, each year they have, like, this is when the heroes save the town, and they get a statue for themselves here mm-hmm. for future. And if you're playing a long-form campaign or you just play other campaigns at all, you can slide this weird uh, homage to your other group that played it. Oh, there it is. It's like a little fun thing to throw back for your players if you're all playing together still, or you hate each other after this. Who knows? Truth stories. Yeah. Um, I think the main problem here for any DM running it is just finding a good balance if you want to challenge your players. Of course, you can pre-write that the players always win, but, you know, whatever you want to do as the DM. That's a decision if you want to make it. It doesn't sound very fun. But. Yeah. Just know uh, we do recommend using mob mechanics from the D&D 5e rulebook because that will make your life a whole lot easier. Um, on top of that, just uh, watch that encounter time because if you're going to do it for one session there's a lot of encounters that we've we've offered up but you don't have to do all of them you can change them around you don't have to have a roper you don't have to have undead miners you can do whatever you want maybe don't do them all unless again we're doing mob mechanics and there's a way to carve through groups of them at a time yeah or your players just really like combat and they just want to hack and slash that's great for them but like i think what we made as our very common keyword here within our one shot at a time podcast is that we made it very modular for you so you can add and pull things as you see fit they don't have to run into everything and you even set a pretty hard time limit by letting them know that they're gonna have a showdown at noon Mm mm-hmm Oh, is it noon now? I thought it was sundown. Right, sundown. Yeah. What's what's an appropriate showdown time? Is it sundown? Um, hey, Shay, what's appropriate showdown time? Well, sundown for Su- sure. Sundown. Okay, Shay does all of his showdowns at, at sundown. Like old West heroes, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yep. 
cool, cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's Sundown. Okay, Sundown Showdown. Got it. All right. Um, I think that's everything. Don't really show up showdown. That's also true. Yeah. So per John Wick, follow the Sundown rule. All right. Um, I think that's everything we have here. It's a pretty quick one-shot build, but how do you feel, Josh? Do you have any other questions that you need answered? No, I think this is really solid. We have a lot of really great material. Uh, I'm definitely going to write this up so that we can sort of refer to it as an actual one-shot at some point. I think this is going to be really fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, that's our episode for today. Thank you for tuning in to One Shot at a Time, a tabletop role-playing game podcast. I'm your forever game master, Daniel Locke. And I'm your dungeon newbie, Josh Greenway. Yes, please check out Crash Course DM. They release every other Tuesday, same as us. Um, and also, if you get a chance, give us a five-star review on both podcasts. Leave a comment if you can. I don't know what podcasting platform lets you do that, but if that's an option, please. Thank you. <laughs> and then share with your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to help spread the podcast. Other than that, uh, just a heads up, uh, we will be, uh, one shot at a time, we'll be at UUCon doing another one shot panel. So if you're there, please come check us out. I believe we'll be there Saturday. Um, outside of that, uh, the Eels does perform at the Bridge Improv Theater, which both of us are in. And we're actually joined by two other Eels players right now. Would you like to say Kai? Hey, thanks for having us. This is Shay Ingram. Kai. <laughs> They are also on the Crash Course DM podcast, so please check us out there. Uh, as far as anything else goes, usually Daniel has some quip here, but I'll just I'll just give it a little silence for him, just uh, in memories of him. <laughs> Solid <laughs> all right. ending. All right, thank you all again. See you all next time. Bye.